Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Bill Crystal for reaction to the latest activities in Ukraine, keeping in mind that it's a very fluid situation. But uh, I understand, Bill, that President Obama has threatened to get tough. He's already said that if Putin doesn't withdraw the troops, he's going to unlike him on Facebook. So this is serious yeah. stuff in the White House. Yeah, I know. One hates to joke about something like this, but uh, you read these statements by President Obama and uh, particularly about his foreign policy in general, and all you can do is, I guess, laugh or cry or or both. I mean, yesterday's statement that he's, um, uh, you know, he'll be working with the international community um, to, uh, what was the verb he used? I, my, my mind's going blank. It was fantastic. Uh, to affirm, affirm that what Putin, that Putin, there will be costs to be paid uh, for, for what uh, Putin has done. I mean, that's really a statement that I'm sure makes Putin tremble. Uh, the international community does such a good job of making Assad pay a price and making others right. who've, uh, you know, uh, some things of this nature pay a price. Uh, I think it's really dangerous. I mean, the more one signals weakness, uh, everyone around the world is watching this. I spoke with someone this morning, a U.S. senator who's just come back from abroad, who said you just can't believe how much they each watch what happens in other parts of the world and draw the appropriate lessons. And our friends are drawing the lessons that we're feckless and our enemies are drawing lessons that they can get away with a lot. I mean, Putin spoke to him. Think about this. The U.S. president spoke to Putin last week. He assured him this wouldn't happen. Now it's happening. We're not, we haven't done anything yet, even anything symbolic in terms of canceling the G8 or withdrawing our ambassador or freezing, saying we're going to look at freezing bank accounts here of Putin's cronies, bring some pressure on Putin. We really just, uh, uh, I hope we do stop. Maybe President Obama will uh, hesitate a bit and then uh, hop into action, but um, there's not much sign of it now. Uh, when President Obama says there's going to be a cost to pay, it raises the question, who's going to go collect from Vladimir Putin? And I don't think we have anybody who's in a position. I mean, what, what would collecting that cost from Putin even look like at this point? You know, it's, it's harder to collect. It's harder to impose the cost to get the five years of weakness, and, and it's hard to make up for that now. But I think we can do a little more than people think. I do think um, uh, Putin has a lot of cronies who have money in U.S. banks and like to travel to the U.S. and to Western Europe, and the notion that, that those bank accounts could be investigated, that travel could be impeded, uh, that, that's really that, that's something that Putin, that those people won't like that, and they might let Putin know that they don't like that and that, and that they're feeling a pinch they weren't feeling before. And, of course, there's the G8 summit scheduled in Russia. Putin puts a great uh, premium on international respectability. He loves hosting the Olympics. I don't think he'll like it so much if he loses the G8, if he's disinvited to the G8, if it's relocated in Western Europe or the U.S. So I think that, you know, we have limited options, but I think we have probably greater options than we think. And we should at least try to make Russian elites and Putin supporters and Putin cronies feel like they're paying a price and Putin's paying a price for this action. Uh, I heard uh, someone friendly to the uh, uh, White House saying on one of the cables today that uh, this is actually bad news for Vladimir Putin because now all the other countries in the region like the Czech Republic and you know Slovakia and the other Eastern European countries are now going to be more difficult for the Russians to work with. It undermines their ability to uh, you know th their relationship. Do you think that Vladimir Putin is the guy who's uh, up against it here, Bill? I think we can put him up against it a little, but it is true that uh, you know this reveals the mask has sort of slipped and. Uh, if you're running, if you're a democratically elected leader in one of these other countries, you are more worried about Putin today than you were two days ago. He's been a little more reckless, a little more rash, a little bolder in taking risks and using troops than one might have thought. So, but that only, that depends on U.S. leadership. If we rally those countries, if we 
deep in our security relationships with some of them. A lot of them are members of NATO, so we have commitment to them. But we could we could exemplify that commitment with a couple of you know military gestures. We should think about uh, speeding up NATO accession for Georgia, another country that Putin has invaded actually in recent years. We should even think about deepening, maybe opening up a relationship more quickly with Ukraine. So a lot depends. I do think it's an opportunity actually to mobilize neighbors against Putin but only if we mobilize, only if we lead, you know? And what was so distressing about President Obama's statement yesterday was there was no sense that of U.S. leadership. We're going to sort of talk to the rest of the international community, and we're probably going to affirm that something will happen. There wasn't a sense of urgent U.S. leadership in making something happen. Yeah, there's a real sense uh, in the media coverage that, uh, you know, if— the Crimean port where the Soviet, you know, where the Soviet Sea, it's so easy to fall back into that. The Crimean port where the Russians have you know, some of their ships and that they rely on. If that were part of Russian control, would it be that big of a deal? And, you know, you can already hear people saying, oh, come on, Ukraine isn't really one country. They, Crimea was never really part of it to begin with. Are people laying the foundation for, uh, in essence, a, a partition of Ukraine that leaves the West or at least Western leaders like President Obama don't want to act? Without you know any fingerprints saying, hey, wasn't re- I didn't really fail because the mission wasn't worth succeeding at in the first place. Look, there are always rationalizations for why it's not wise to act, and there are always these complicated situations internally. There were in the 30s as well, in Austria and Czechoslovakia and everywhere else. But mm-hmm. um, it's one thing for I don't know people in a country to decide peacefully that they uh, want to ally with a different country, be part of a different country, then that's not something that's out of the question. But for to let Putin bully, I mean, to have a popular popular uprising against the government in Ukraine that Putin had helped put in, that Putin had helped finance, and Putin had been pulling the strings on, and that uprising was pretty impressive. To let that not do anything to help them, and then the moment it succeeds for Putin to do this, I mean, it, why is Putin doing this now? Think about that question for a second. It's not mm-hmm. because of anything that happened in Crimea. It's not because of anything geopolitical, geostrategic. It's because suddenly he was at risk of losing losing control over Ukraine. So it is a geopolitical struggle, and it's foolish to rationalize. You can get into the weeds and say, well, in this case, there are a lot of Russian speakers around right. there, so it's complicated, sure, but basically we're in a struggle with Putin. It is a zero-sum struggle, really. You know, either he's going to tell his neighbors that he's the big guy on the block and don't mess with him and don't try to do things internally that mess with parties and interest groups that he backs, uh, or we're going to push him back and it's going to send a signal around the region that uh, we're willing to stand up to Putin. Well, I thought the best part of the president's statement was when he said, Ukraine, if you like your country, you can keep your country. I, th- I think they feel much better <laughs> now, Bill. They've been assured of that. But this really is a lot of kind of Danzig was and is a German city kind of stuff where you're projecting this, uh, where w- some people are projecting a Russian nationalism, which, as you just pointed out, if that really is the case and there's a way for the people who live there to choose to leave, I'm just concerned that in the media, if the media coverage is, you know, we don't need President Obama to lead, then his lack of leadership is going to be uh, largely unnoticed by people who don't follow these things as closely as the readers of the Weekly Standard. Well, I think that's a very fair point, and that's why what other elected officials say matters. It's nice to, for me to write something on the Weekly Standard uh, uh, blog, but no one's elected to anything. On the other hand, Marco Rubio really stepped forward today with a very strong statement. Tom Cotton, the Congressman of Arkansas, is running for the Senate. I just saw put out a very good statement. I think mm-hmm. Republicans, for all that their, their consultants always tell them that voters care about domestic policy, and, and for all that there is an element of the party that wants a more uh, restrictive, modest, uh, you know, uh, kind of U.S. 
foreign policy that's probably more in sympathy with Obama. I'm struck how many of the younger Republican leaders see that this is a big moment and whatever complicated, you know, considerations I would have to have about getting involved in one place or another, that here you can't just, it's very bad for the U.S. to look passive and, and impotent. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time here on the uh, story out of Ukraine as it unfolds here on the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.